when he did his press conference announcing that he was going to sign as an Essendon player, I turned to Tim and said, well, Captain Essendon one day, and Tim sort of looked at me, you know, the modest father, and said, oh, you know, come on, let's just calm down a bit. Hi, everyone. My name's Julian Trantino, and I'm from the Don's Digital team. While we wait for footy to return, we're pleased to bring you a five-part series with Adrian Dodoro, the club's GM of Liston Recruiting. Leading the club's recruiting for 22 years, Adrian has a wealth of draft stories that he'll be sharing exclusively on the podcast. We hope you enjoy it. Well, it's great to be joined again by Adrian Dodoro, the club's general manager of Liston Recruiting. Adrian, we're talking about Joe Watson uh, this week. Of course, your first father-son selection in your 22 years of recruiting at the club. No doubt one that you look back and you're, you're pretty proud of. Oh, absolutely. Um, what a terrific young man um, that, you know, from the first day he walked into the football club. Um, Joe was, uh, the interesting thing about Joe was when he walked in, I think he was more interested in business and finance and everything else rather than footy. I think footy was a byproduct at the time, but geez, he developed into a great captain and a Brownlow medalist and that's something every essence supporter should never forget. Of course, he came, no doubt there would have been some pressure on him with his dad being a bona fide legend of the club, but he's always seemed to be a cool, calm and collected person and really mature beyond his years. Was that something that was apparent in your initial dealings with him? It was quite funny because, you know, obviously um, son of Tim, um, you know, the word got out that, you know, Xavier College had this young fella. So I remember going out to watch him play against Caulfield Grammar one day and I scanned the field and I saw this red and black Xavier jumper and I looked and there was this little number 32 on the back. I said, well, that's got to be, it's got to be Job. And, 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 I, and it was a muddy day at, at Caulfield and I, I can remember thinking, he ain't going to make it, this bloke. He can't run. Um, and, you know, but he waddled around and kept getting handballs. But um, I just think, kept thinking to myself, you know, I think Joe would have been 16 or 7 at the time, so he wasn't his top age year. I thought, he's got a lot of work to do. You know, it seemed like there was a fair bit of puppy fat and um, didn't really have those sublime skills you would have thought that the son of Tim Watson would have had. Um, anyway, we, we parked that. And I'll never forget the following year, which was his top age year at Sandyham Dragons. Sandy Dragons, round one um, of, the, of the TAC Cup back then. And the regional manager for, for Sandy, a guy called Wayne Oswald, a great man, who was a regional manager back then, he rang me up. I forget, I was walking for lunch, the phone rings, it's Aussie. And he says, did you see our game on the weekend? And I said, no, mate. He goes, well, Watson's had 45 touches. I said, what? He said, no, I'm, I'm not joking. He's had 45 possessions. This is round one of the TAC Cup season. Um, and I thought, gee, this, this, can't be, this can't be right. And I looked at the stats, sure enough, 40 possessions. The following week, 40 possessions. I think it was about the third week because I'd been travelling a bit. I went and watched him play. And sure enough, he, um, he didn't do much running, but he had this happy knack of the ball just finding him and just popping handballs out to blokes. But he would hardly run outside the square. You know, there was, you know like he's, he was a, like a, an old-fashioned centreman that'd play, you know, inside mid, hang around the centre square, you know, great around stoppages, first possession, waddle to the next stoppage, get it again, what have you. He wasn't a transition player. So we got to – it got to early in the year and they had the Vic Metro trials and, and uh, Wayne Oswald said to me, look, we're going to – we'll get him in for a game. Played it, I never forget, it was at Geelong and um, I think he played 
one of them just played a half, played okay, and then they put him in the in the Metro team, and that I, there was a bit of a gap between, before we saw him again. Anyway, I remember saying to Sheeds, Sheeds, we've got a bit of a conundrum here. This this kid Watson's not bad, but I don't know if he can run. You know, he's, you know, he was like a baby giraffe. He had arms and legs going everywhere, and he seemed really uncoordinated. Yet he had this knack of finding the footy. So Vic Metro played South Australia at the MCG, and I took Sheeds along with me. And after one quarter of watching him play, Sheeds turned around and he said, "Right, well, you've got your father's son. We're taking him." And he left. <laughs> that was it. So, <laughs> and that was in about June of that year. We made the decision and. I think a few weeks later we um, we announced to the world that we were taking him as a father-son and um, his first training session at Essendon, I can remember him doing 200s and 400s with John Quinn and a lot of people, you know, the, the track watchers were watching him run and he, Joe back then would run with a smile on his face. Everything was just a big a big smile and, you know, had, you know that infectious personality and you would think to yourself, is he, is he taking this seriously? <laughs> Um, and he didn't look, again, he didn't look aesthetically great as an athlete. And I remember John Quinn came up to me and said, don't worry, he's going to be a, you know, a real good athlete. There's something there. Um, and then the journey began and it was great, um, a great career. He, he was criticised a bit in the media, obviously, for not being the greatest runner and being a bit slow and not having the best kick and all that in his first few years. But was Sheeds' plan to, to play him as a key forward all along or was that something that just sort of came about because of his where he was where he was at with his fitness and this is where Sheeds is the master Sheeds knew the talent Sheeds knew the ability he had to you know there's no better football psychologist than Kevin Sheedy you know mark my words he knows how to push buttons and in Job it was about needling him and, you know, they famously dropped him. But it was all about casual reminders of what it took to be an AFL player. And the one thing about Job, he was smart enough to work it out. And he removed himself and went and got a personal trainer. And he went from being slightly overweight and unfit to being an absolute magnificent athlete, you know, in terms of his physical preparation. One funny story... His first preseason at Essendon. Um, so the so they they went down to Maribyrnong River around the, the boulevard for a I think it's about a three and a half four k run. And it was his first training session with the club. And you know, like a proud father, you know when you when you you know you, you go to see your recruits train for the first time, you know you you go down there with you know this big you know your chests out and you know you know. Want to go down and watch my boys train anyway. I get down there and they're doing this, they're doing one lap and they're being timed. Anyway, they take off. And as they're coming back, you know, all the good runners are coming back, you know, you know Stanton and Dyson and these guys are, you know, are coming back. Um, and I'm thinking, where the hell's Job? Anyway, everyone's back. Job's not back. And even our property steward, A.D. Schwegler, who did the lap, he came back and I thought, well, where's Job? Anyway, I reckon about five minutes later, Job's turned up and I've gone, oh, my God, <laughs> how unfit is this kid? <laughs> but he turned back with his big smile on his face as if to say, ah, oh, no, it'll be right. Oh, well, it's got to improve. And and it's amazing. If someone would have told me back then he was going to end up being a Brownlow medalist, I would have laughed at you and said there's no chance. But it just goes to show how smart he was 
And it's a reminder that if you do the work, what you can achieve in life. Because academically, really, really smart. And he used his brains to work out what he had to do, right? And the message that Sheeds was selling him to make AFL football. Um, and when he, got it, when he got it right, he became the captain of our club and a great captain at that. So was he, was he a bit more relaxed about things or was he just uh, – did he have, a, I guess, a, a quiet determination about him that maybe could have been misconstrued from the outside? In his first year, Jay used to come and just spend so much time in my office. Um, they fly the coop in their second and third year. You don't really see him as much. But in his first year, just a real intellect. At 18 years of age, he had the intellect of a 30-year-old. You know, he was just a smart boy, always talking about the stock market, always talking about, you know, being successful in things other than football. But there was that inner desire and drive because he's got a lot of personal pride. And he wasn't exposed to the traditional football pathway. There was no traditional football pathway for Joe Watson. Um, You know, Tim sheltered him um, from from, you know, growing up with a ball in his hand and playing footy all the time. So he had to make up those years when he got to the club and he certainly did that. We see he speaks so much like his dad and you can clearly see that influence from Tim is so strong. How, how big of an influence was Tim in those, um, in those early years for Job? Obviously super. Um, they're very, very close, father-son. Um, you know, combination. They're a very close family, great family, uh, they've got the same sense of humour. They're like brothers, actually, when you see them talking to one another. Um, and and obviously, you know, Job at the end of the day wanted to make his his you know his family and his dad proud, but he also is independent enough to know that he had to do it for himself, and that's exactly what he did. And he's formed forged his life even post football. He's so successful in in what he does because he's a very smart young man. Um, it's just a shame that um, the AFL took his Brownlow away and hopefully one day he gets it back. When Job got to the club, Ted Richards was probably the only player that he really knew. Their relationship stretched back all the way to primary school, junior footy and then secondary school as well at uh, Xavier College. How big yeah, a mentor, Family friends, yep. Yeah, and how big a mentor was Ted to, to Job in those early years? Oh, I don't know so much mentor, but just having that person alongside you because, you know, back then um, – Ted was a quirky kid as well. You know, these Xavier kids, I don't know what's wrong with them, but they all seem to be quirky, you know, type-natured people. Um, um, I'm saying that in jest, so please don't take that seriously. But, um, uh, you know, yeah, just, just to have that, that person, that familiar, familiarity uh, made, it, made a hell of a lot of difference. But, um, yeah, they, they supported and helped each other. There's no doubt. We saw Joe go on to become one of one of Essendon's great captains amid probably its most turbulent period in its history. Did you always feel that Job had it in him to, to steer the club through some pretty tough times? Without a word of a lie, and Tim will back this up, when he did his press conference announcing that he was going to sign as an Essendon player way before that draft, I, soon, I turned to Tim and said, well, Captain Essendon one day, and Tim sort of looked at me in, you know, the modest father. And I said, oh, you know, come on, let's just calm down a bit. I said, you can just see there's something really special about this bloke, the way he conducts himself, the way he talks. You know, he commands a room. And you could see that. The character is character, no matter if you're a footballer or if you're not a footballer. And, and what he did to, to lead the club through those tur- turbulent years um, is, is quite heroic. 
Um, he was stoic, um, but it was probably one of the saddest things to see him have his spirit broken. And he did, had his spirit broken. When he walked around, when he walked into the club and said, I, I can't compete, it was one of the saddest days of my professional career because that's not Job. And that was the toll that that episode took on a num- you know, took on him and, and, a y- and a number of young men at that football club. Um, and the fact that he took the 12 months off and came back, um, personally I was surprised. I didn't think he'd come back. I thought he was going to just chuck it away. I remember there was a, a number of conversations uh, about whether he would come back or not. He always said he would, but deep down my feeling was, you know, he had other things he wanted to do in life and, and he travelled and, and set himself up and he certainly did, did really, really well. Um, but... Um, Again, he was cut at the prime of his career and another play that we never saw the best out of because of that, of that episode at that time. Well, he had to deal with many setbacks, but how did he go about it in those really tough times? What, what were the qualities that stood out? Job has this amazing ability to put things in perspective. Um, and he's one of those guys that doesn't suffer fools at all. And, and the other thing that he's got, he's got a sense of humour. And he's a very supportive person. When he speaks, people listen. And I think that that was, you know, that, that they're the redeeming factors that you want in leaders. And 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 certainly, um, you know, that that stood out during that that time. But but that was a long, long period. That that was a you know a four or five year episode. It wasn't just you know a twelve month episode. That was a you know a four or five year period of their lives. Uh, the day, the day he got booed in Perth against West Coast, again was was unbelievable. Um, didn't deserve to get booed. People forget he went on national television and told the truth. He got asked a question whether he was taking a, a particular supplement, and he said, "Yeah, I've, I've taken it," and it was totally legal. It wasn't even an illegal substance, and he got booed. and And to watch him walk off the ground that night with tears in his his eyes and, you know, openly crying with his teammates was was unbelievable. Uh, you know, it goes down in history as one of the most emotional nights in our club's history. There was a period where media were reporting that the club was going to trade him. Obviously, he had a, a bit of a slow start to his career. How how real were those reports? Was he close to leaving? <laughs> I can categorically state this right now, and this is where Sheeds is the master of, you know, mental mind games and manipulation. Joe Watson was never on the table unless Sheeds was talking to someone, but, you know, and I wasn't aware of it, um, which, hey, could have happened. But, <laughs> um, no, nah, he was never on the table. He was never on the table. You don't trade Joe Watson. You don't trade, you know, legends of your football club, the son of a legend, the history that was associated with our football club. I think there might have been a, a little bit of needling there to say, hey, get your career up and going. And I think after that was when he went and got a personal trainer. You know, he, he shed the weight. His skin folds came down. His time trials went from pretty average to, to, to excellent. You know, he became the footballer that he needed to be. You know, he became that inside, hard-nosed inside mid that could play 85 to 90% of the game and played effectively. Um, and he drove from being, you know, a fellow amateurish player to being a super pro. And sometimes you just need that reminder. And Sheeds was able to remind him in subtle ways what it took 
to get there. And that's all it was. What sort of legacy do you think he's left? We saw Dyson Heppel um, come in as captain after him. Do you really think that a player like Hepp has benefited massively from from having Job at the club? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and Dyson's on record as saying that he learnt so much off, off Job. Job was a fabulous leader. Um, and particularly when you put into context what he had to deal with and cope with in the history of our game, history of our sport, in the history of world sport, you know, you're talking about a leader of men going through that episode and he did it just so magnificently well. He did it with class. He did it with dignity and it rubbed off on people like Dyson, no doubt whatsoever. And you've got to see some great Essendon captains in your time at the club. Where does Job sit among them? Oh, look, if, if, if you've become the captain of the Essendon Football Club, you're a great leader and you're a great person. I think it's hard to put one on top of the other because it's such a, a highly valued, um, the esteem that you held in as a person to get the gig as captain at that football club is, is an amazing honour. So to have those values, it'd be really, really hard to put one captain on top of, the, of another captain. You know, for me, he's, um, he's just a brilliant leader and I think they've all been brilliant leaders. I think Dyson's a, a great leader of our footy club. When Joe spoke, as I've said before, people listened. It was common sense. Um, it wasn't over the top. It wasn't um, needless chat. It was to the point and... When you've got the respect of your teammates, um, look. The, the tragedy for 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 all of us is that if you look at those years, I've got no doubt Job would have been a premiership captain of our football club. And all you had to do is look at the team at the time they had around him and see what happened. You know, the team was peaking. You know, I think eight of those boys ended up being all Australians. Whether it was Paddy Ryder went to Port Adelaide or. Um, Michael Hibbard went to Melbourne. He became All-Australian. On top of the guys that were All-Australian around that 15, 16, you know, 2015, 2016 period. And we internally knew that we were on something pretty special. So to deal with the disappointment of knowing that something got, got taken away from these boys is something that takes a lot of character. And it hurt Job. Make no mistake. You know, and he would have moments like all the boys that when they look back and reflect on their career, they know that there was something taken away, more than just his Brownlow. There's no doubt that they, there was an opportunity there with that team at the time. Um, and we knew that. And he certainly would have been, again, um, he's revered, he's you know uh, highly respected. But again, he's one of those boys that had probably his best years taken away from him. How do you think he looks back on his time at the club? Uh, I don't know whether Job's one of those self-reflection type of people. Um, he's, um, I think he's get on with life. I think he's, he puts things in perspective, as I've said. You know, we uh, we had a, uh, a horse together um, last year. A few of the boys that got together and we, we had a horse and um, unfortunately this horse passed away in a race. And, and I remember Job said there on the day he said this is worst this is the worst experience this is worse than the Asada experience and I thought geez if this is worse then you know he has the ability amazing ability to put things in perspective um, and, and he does and, and that's why he'll always have a successful life ahead of him well James has been a, a fantastic character and a real fabric of the football club and Thanks, Adrian, for, for shedding some insights into what made him such a great footballer in person. Thank you very much, guys. 